If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We have a lot to cover on today's episode of Games with Bill, including Microsoft being very hands-off when it comes to the Steam Deck, and I think that that's really a good thing. Speaking of good things, Sony is allowing PlayStation Crossplay with a very big title that I'm very much looking forward to, so stick around for that. Then I want to talk about how Square Enix has a game that really needs to pick a lane and stick to it and not try and do more than one thing at once. And I want to talk about Capcom and the Monster Hunter Rise DLC release date. If all of that sounds good, let's get started. Most of the time, I save the lightning round for the end of the show, but I had a, a quite a few different stories that I threw into the lightning round this time. And so I figured I would do that first, and we'll get to the bigger stories afterwards. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below. Let's start with Final Fantasy music. Um, Final Fantasy music is some of the best video game music ever. And uh, I always harp on companies that hold on to their music and don't let you listen to it anywhere. And it always kind of drives me crazy. Square is now releasing their Final Fantasy music and music from Nier Automata and, and other stuff as well on their YouTube music channel. And I think that this is fantastic. Not giving people access, a, a place to listen to this music only encourages people to make their own YouTube channels, which then Square Enix has to go through the trouble of tracking down and shutting down and doing it themselves does a couple of things. Number one, it gives them yet another revenue stream. Number two, it'll probably cut down on the piracy. And number three, it makes their life easier. And number four, it gives us a place to listen to music. So overall, I think that this is a win for everybody all around, and it's fantastic. If you want to check out that music, there is, of course, a link in the, in the description down below if you're watching this on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, just head on over to YouTube Music, or actually go to youtube.com slash nerdnest, check out this show, and then follow the link in the description there. I think I probably put a link in the show notes as well. Previously, a game that was supposed to come out in 2021, which got delayed probably due to the pandemic, uh, was Arkham Knights. If you don't know what Arkham Knights is, it is a four-player, I think it's four-player, multiplayer co-op version of like Batman Arkham Asylum. At least it looks a lot like Batman Arkham Asylum, but it's multiplayer co-op, which is very, very cool. Now, to hear me say Batman, you'd think, oh, can you play as Batman? And no, you can't. You can play as characters like Nightwing and, you know, Batwoman and, you know, the other side characters, not the main guy. Uh, and that's perfectly fine because these characters don't get enough time to shine. That being said, it was delayed from last year, and now we finally have a release date. It is coming out on October 20th, so we've got that to look forward to, and I personally am very much looking forward to it. I really like the combat style in those old Rocksteady games uh, from the Batman Arkham series. I, I always thought that those were fantastic, and getting to do that with friends 
Count me in. Game series that I've missed out on, uh, and I think that I really regret missing out on this series, is Dead Space. And I've heard nothing but fantastic things about the series. Well, okay. I don't I don't know if everybody liked all of the games in the series, but most of the things that I've heard with the words Dead Space have been really good words. So I always kind of regretted playing those games. But now... I'm going to get to go into it completely fresh because they're doing a remake. And we already knew that they were doing a remake and they've been pretty transparent about how things are going with that remake. Well, that remake now has not a firm release date, but it's going to be coming next year in 2023. So we've got more time to wait, which is fine. I have tons to play, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in because I missed out on the first set. Now, somebody might say, Bill, what's stopping you from playing the first set? Honestly, there really isn't anything stopping me from playing the first set of games. I've heard nothing but great things about them, and I'm sure that I would enjoy myself. That being said, with the new one coming or the remake coming, for me, I feel like it makes more sense to just wait and get the new and improved version. Now, of course, they could fall on their face and it could be terrible, but I doubt it. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Let me know if you have played the Dead Space games, what you think of them, and are you hyped for the remake? Or are you like me and somebody who's going to be trying these for the very first time? Let me know in those comments down below. Moving on to Elden Ring, uh, 70% of people who have played the game have beat the first boss. Now, somebody might hear me say that and be like, that is a ridiculously low number of people to beat the first boss. But what you have to understand about Elden Ring is it's an incredibly open world and you can go wherever you want. Now, when you are new to the series, as I pretty much am, um, just getting to that first boss is an absolute achievement because there is like this big troll thing between you and that boss. And man, if you don't know what you're doing, that guy's going to give you a very, very hard time. I've probably got around 20 hours in the game so far, but it's split between multiple characters because I wasn't sure where which direction I wanted to go. At this point, I'm playing a conjurer. I think it's a conjurer. It's kind of like a cleric build or a paladin build, and I'm really, really enjoying myself. But I went up against that first boss, and he told me no thank you. And I ran away. And I'm not going back, not for a very, very long time, but I'm still having an absolute blast with the game. I'm exploring, finding tons and tons of things. And I think that when people hear that only 70% of the players who are playing this game have beat that first boss, it's going to scare people away. And it should. But at the same time, there's things about Elden Ring that are very, very compelling, even if... I never beat that first boss. And if the, you want to hear a video all about Elden Ring, maybe I'll do a bonus episode. Let me know in the comments uh, down below if you want me to do a video about Elden Ring. Uh, I'm loving the game, but uh, phew, I just don't have time to talk about it in this episode. Such a fantastic game. Let's move on. I fully expected this story to be much higher on the totem pole this week, but... There's just so much video game news this week that I wanted to cover. It kept getting pushed down. And that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga Collection. If you don't know what this is, it is, I think it's 14 games. I'm going to look on my phone because I want to make sure that I get it right. 
Uh, but it's a, a huge collection, 13 vintage Konami um, Ninja Turtle games. And I got to say, I love the Ninja Turtle games, uh, especially Turtles in Time. That that thing ate so many quarters of mine when I was younger. I just punched quarter after quarter into that arcade cabinet, and I would have so much fun. And 13 Ninja Turtles games, some of them are going to be great. Some of them are not going to be not so great, but... I mean, as a child who, as a person who was born in the 70s and was a child in the 80s and 90s, the Turtles hold a special place in my heart. And I cannot wait to check out this collection from Konami. I think it looks fantastic. Are you excited for the Ninja Turtles Kawabunga collection? Let me know in the uh, description, in the comments down below. And I want to know what platform you plan on playing it on. With the lightning round out of the way, let's move on and talk about Microsoft and Valve. Um, Microsoft has been pretty hands-off when it comes to the companies that they've been acquiring. And I think that that's a good thing. And somebody either last episode or the episode before, they left a comment that said, I, I, I don't have the comment in front of me and I'll try and find it and I'll put it on screen but they said something along the lines of why would Microsoft spend billions of dollars on these companies if they're not going to do anything with them? And I think that they were doing that in response to me saying that Microsoft is going to be hands off with these companies. And my response is, well, first off, they're not doing nothing with them. And, and they bought these companies because they're already profitable. And if they buy the company, if you buy a profitable company, then you make more money. That's kind of the way it works. And I think a lot of people expected that Microsoft would say, all right, now that I own this company, all of your intellectual property is now exclusive to Microsoft platforms and you can't publish elsewhere. And I never thought that Microsoft would do that. There were a couple of reasons why. First off, we see you know games like Minecraft on other platforms. Um, when Microsoft purchased the publisher or the developer, I can't remember which, of Ori and the Will of the Wisps or Ori and the Blind Forest, they still published, they they stuck by their contracts and they published those games on other platforms. And it makes sense for Microsoft because their end goal, I'm not speaking for Microsoft, but it seems to me like their end goal is to encourage people to subscribe to Game Pass. So why purchase these big companies if you're not going to do anything with them? Well, you are doing something with them. You're taking their intellectual property and you're putting it on Game Pass, getting people to subscribe to Game Pass so that you have this constant income revenue. I mean, millions of people are subscribed to Game Pass and Microsoft is making money on that hand over fist. Now, is it enough to justify the money that they are spending in order to bring those, those uh, that intellectual property to that uh, subscription, only Microsoft knows. But they wouldn't keep making these purchases if it wasn't. On top of that, you can then also sell those games to people who don't subscribe to Game Pass. And if you want to sell those games to the maximum number of people, then you want to sell it on the maximum number of platforms. So Microsoft has been very, very hands-off and because, in my opinion, it makes good business sense to be hands-off. You start locking stuff down and you're going to tick off the gaming industry, like the, the, the consumers in the gaming industry. 
And if you tick them off, we have so many games that we can play. We could just say, ah, screw you. I'm not playing your stupid games. I'm just going to play the other games that I can have access to. So making things exclusive would be bad in a business move for Microsoft. But it would also be bad as a move when it comes to, you know, government scrutiny into whether or not they're being monopolistic. So there's a lot of reasons why Microsoft would allow their games to continue to be on other platforms. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Because of this quote, I'm gonna grab my phone so that I can get it right. Here at Xbox Game Studios, we love gaming and think that people should be able to play our games as freely and easily as possible, anytime, any place, sharing incredible experiences with friends or immersing themselves in solo adventures. It's up to our studios how they fit Steam Deck integration for their games into their busy schedules. And with a lot of great stuff already in the works, some titles may take longer. We've put together this list so you can see how our titles are coming along. So essentially here, Microsoft is saying, we're gonna be hands-off, we're gonna let our publishers do what they need to do in order to be profitable, and we're guaranteed to get their games on our platform, and we're gonna be able to put them on Game Pass if we want, which drives people toward that subscription. And anybody who we don't capture with that subscription or on Xbox will capture someplace else by being available, by having those games available in other locations. And I think that that is a smart move. And that's what Microsoft seems to be doing here. Am I happy that Microsoft is going around buying up companies? No, I'm not. But at least they're doing things the right way for now. We'll see if things continue. If you haven't joined our Discord yet, there's a link in the description down below. There's over 1,500 other awesome people waiting to talk to you and play video games with. And once you join, you're going to see a whole bunch of channels about a bunch of different platforms. And the thing is, I mean, I'm sure that you've seen it on my shows before. My tagline for Games with Bill is gaming discussion without the console wars, because I've always been kind of a multi-platform gamer. And yeah, I don't have a PlayStation 5 yet, but I'm trying to get one. I, I've always despised the idea of this is better than that. It's always, well, this has this and this has that, and they're both good for their own reasons. And that's, that's how I tend to look at things. And I think a lot of people in our Discord community do as well. And because of that, I'm very, very excited to say that Sony is not getting in the way when it comes to Tiny Tina's Wonderland. The thing about multiplayer games, that crossplay just needs to be everywhere already. It drives me crazy when it's not there because I want to play the games that I want to play with the people that I want to play with on the platform that I want to play on. And I want the people that I want to play with to be able to play on the platforms that they want to be able to play on. I think I did that right. It's really important to me. And I've run into issues recently where I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, on my, on PC, I've been playing it on Steam Deck and I can't play with my friends who are on Switch. Frustrating. I've been playing um, the, the, the dwarf mining game. I can never remember the name. B B Big Rock Galactic? Deep Rock Galactic. I've been playing Deep Rock Galactic with my friends, but like, it's also on Xbox and I realized that I didn't have to buy it. I could have just played on my Xbox through Game Pass 
And that would have been great, but I wouldn't have been able to play with my friends because there's no cross-play. So cross-play is a really, really important thing. And Sony, listen, I'm not doing platform wars here, but Sony has not, they don't have the best track record when it comes to allowing publishers to turn on cross-play on their platform. In fact, we've heard um, tell of uh, games asking, of Sony saying, you could turn on cross-platform, but you're going to have to pay a fee in order to do that on our platform. And like that kind of thing always, ugh, it just, it just ticks me off. And at the end of the, the last console generation, I kept saying over and over that the, the number one question when before the PS5 and Xbox Series X were announced, the number one question that gaming journalists should be asking um, Microsoft and Sony when they announced their new uh, hardware is, are you going to support cross-platform or cross-play going forward? And unfortunately, it, it's it's very hit or miss, but I think it should be everywhere. Every game should be cross-platform everywhere. And I know that that's hard for older games, but newer games should be the default. And I like, I'm very happy to say that Tiny Tina's Wonderland is going to be cross-play everywhere that you can play it. And that means I'm going to be able to play it where I want, you're going to be able to play it where you want, and we're going to be able to go out, kill a bunch of enemies together, storm the castle, uh, fight the bridge, and uh, win the game. And I'm super excited about that. All right, let's talk about Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is coming on, I'm looking at my phone, July, June 30th, 2022, very, very excited for that. Now, number one, if you watched the video that was released today by Capcom, it only says Nintendo Switch on there. That upset me at first, but if you look on Steam, it has the same release date. So it looks like this DLC is going to be released on the same date across the board. Very, very excited about that. You get to leave Kimura. So if you haven't been playing Monster Hunter Rise, you are essentially like your main base is this little town. Well, now you're going to get to leave that town and go someplace else, which looks really cool. The monsters look fantastic. And the there's a new like location. And it looks like a castle, which seems incredible to me. Like this, I haven't played many of the other Monster Hunter games. I played Monster Hunter World a little bit. I played Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate a little bit. I played Monster Hunter Rise a bunch. And the idea of like this big castle to explore and fight monsters in sounds incredibly cool. And it almost feels like this is very reminiscent to me as somebody who has played a lot of massively multiplayer online role-playing games. It feels like an MMO expansion. And I almost feel like that's the way that Capcom should go with Monster Hunter. They should turn it into... Not actually an MMO, but just continually release new content, new monsters, um, new wire wire bug uh, tricks. Like there was a wire bug trick where it looked like they had hooked a wire bug into a monster and then pulled the monster toward them instead of pulling themselves toward the monster. Which you can look, you can think about the applications there with traps. That would be really really cool. But I feel like Capcom 
could have Monster Hunter Rise just continue for a really long time. The RE engine is fantastic. It's a beautiful game, even if it doesn't look as good or as realistic as Monster Hunter World. I feel like Monster Hunter Rise has a much better art direction, maybe art style. And of course, style is subjective, so you might not agree with me there, but I just think it looks fantastic. Um, the The new monsters, oh my God. They have like a Frankenstein themed gorilla. It just looks awesome. I cannot wait to get this game in my hands. I guarantee you are gonna see some streams here on this channel when Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak comes out. So make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already uh, so you can watch those streams, those live streams. I'm so hyped for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. It is my favorite game from last year, I think. And I mean, I'm having a blast with the games that I'm playing right now, but they're all taking a back seat to Sunbreak when that game gets here. All right, let's wrap up the show with... Final Fantasy Chocobo GP Racing, which is on the Nintendo Switch. It's $50 for this game, but they are monetizing it like a mobile game. Mobile games are either cheap or free, and they make their money through microtransactions. Very aggressive, very in-your-face microtransactions. And that's okay. Well, that's okay. I don't like it, but it's okay. Because the games are free. Of course, I don't really play those games. I'm not interested in those games. I don't like that monetization model. But for Square to launch this game at $50 at almost full game price and have the mobile monetization model, ew, like that's just nasty. That's gross. That's not cool. And Square is getting all kinds of pushback because of it. But guess what? They're in for some bad, bad times ahead. Maybe they're going to be able to fix it. Maybe they're going to be able to appease everybody. But Mario Kart DLC is right around the corner. And I was already checked out on Final Fantasy Chocobo Racing. Like, no thank you. I'm not interested. If I want to play a kart racer, I'm just going to play Mario Kart, especially on the Nintendo Switch. Um, so if if they think that they can monetize like that or I could just play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for 10 more dollars and I get all the stuff that's in there and for an extra $25 get 50 more tracks to race on that value proposition is nowhere near even it definitely tilts in in favor of Mario Kart. And I just can't see Chocobo Racing surviving Mario Kart DLC and a painful launch after, with just a horrible money grab. It's really disappointing to me. Uh, not because I was super hoping that that game was awesome, but because they thought that they could get away with it. And they think that they can get away with it because they probably will. I don't think that this game is the one that they'll get away with it on, but they're going to get away with it on something. And it's just, it's really scummy in my opinion. And I think that they could do better. I expect more out of Square Enix. Maybe I shouldn't. I probably should. All right, everybody, that's it for today's episode of Games with Bill. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. You could have been anywhere. You decided to hang out here. Thanks so much. Let me know what you think of the news stories in the comment section down below. And before you get out of here, if you're watching on YouTube, watch this video right here. I appreciate it.
Bye, everybody. Stay rad.